All right. Hello. Hello, everybody. I want to welcome you to the Straight Talk with DJ Doc podcast that you can hear right here on Anchor. And uh, tonight, I want to continue our uh, episodes. We've been doing health the last two weeks, and I want to continue that. And uh, tonight, our topic is going to be brain health. All right. And I have with us our guest tonight is Dr. Eric Perkins. He is a fellow American Academy of Neurology, and he currently works for Sharpree Steely as a neurologist. Dr. Perkins, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for, uh, thanks for giving us the opportunity to talk about uh, my favorite subject, the brain. Ah, yes, yes, yes. And, uh, you know, last week our episode was on self-care. And tonight I want us to talk a little bit about the brain because I think for the most part, sometimes we take that for granted. You know, um, as you said earlier yeah. today. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I... I um... It's an interesting thing. We, uh, we do very much uh, tend to take the brain itself for granted, and we don't think about it as, uh, as the functioning, uh, extremely important machine or organ that it is. Right, right. And, you know, we always look at the fact that uh, we are nice and everything comes from the heart. And we know the heart's important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No doubt about that. We know the heart is important. But uh, you can pretty much say that the brain is what actually motivates and moves the heart in the directions it needs to go. Definitely, definitely. I think there's, it's interesting how it came about from uh, ancient times, from antiquity. They believed that the, the soul and all your spirit was in, actually in the heart. At one time they believed, they looked at the brain with all its folds and stuff, and they thought it was more of a radiator that cooled the blood. Um, right. It wasn't until you know, years later that they realized that the brain was actually uh, us. It, uh, it's, it controls, it's what we see, it's how we perceive the world, it's how we remember you know, our, our lives, it's how we learn our trades, this is how we talk to our friends, this is how we interact. It's all in that, uh, in that structure uh, up in the skull. Right, right. Now I want you to, to start off, because a lot of people, you know, um, they don't really know, they know that the brain exists, but they don't know what it is. So explain a little bit about what the brain is and, and somewhat of how it, it works, not really in depth, but just give us a little bit of information. There. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's a structure. It's, you know, if you look at it, uh, it's sort of, it's actually sort of a pinkish color and you see it in surgery. Um, it actually is uh, surrounded by a sac. It's called um, the dura and it's floating because the actual brain, if, if you took it and just sat it down, it would, it would flatten out a little bit. It's, it's a softer tissue. So it's floating, it has fluid that goes in and out of it, sort of supports it. And it's an infinite, not literally, but just it's millions and millions of these brain cells that interact um, with each other. And they, they work kind of like, it works very much like a computer. There's, part, there's different parts of the brain that process different types of information. Uh, for instance, there's the back of the brain, or also called the occipital lobes, and that's where vision is... Uh, ultimately interpreted. Everything you see gets routed through that area. Um, there's a part of the brain uh, referred to as the motor strip that has a, parts of it are, parts of it control the hand, parts control the fingers, parts control the smile. And you, you can kind of see along the brain, it's, it's arranged functionally where the cells are. Um, and in the end, it, this whole process, you know, when it, when everything it produces is us. It's, it's, um, Right now, I'm sitting in my kitchen. I'm looking around. I don't think much about it, but there's light reflecting off all the things around me. It's beautiful colors. Um, 
My daughter bakes some cookies. I can smell that. Uh, and then just in a second, all this information is being routed through my eyes, my ears, my nose. Um, and we see everything and we interpret it very quickly. I know how to read all the stuff around me because I've learned that. That's all organized in there. The smell of those cookies, that's a recipe my mom had. So all of a sudden I can close my eyes, smell that, and think of being in my mom's kitchen a million years ago. Um, right. So memories are there. Um, it's it's us. It's it's sub, it's. I'm a little biased. I, I don't think there's something much more important in your body. And not say anything bad about the heart or lungs. You, you know, you got to keep those as healthy as possible because they pump blood and oxygen and nutrients to the brain. Right. But the big thing about it is when you when you get to looking at it and you break it down, uh, we always talk about the fact that we have all these computers and our iPhones and all the memory and things of that nature. When you look at it, the brain is just one massive computer on its own when you really yeah. think about it. Yeah, it's it's an amazing structure and it's it's a it's a it's a, a structure that uh, can be very for people who study it or try to work with it, it's very humbling. We we understand that we're well aware on a daily basis when you're doing neurology that we know actually very little about the brain and actually how it, it really functions. We've learned so much in the new technologies and scans and it's just remarkable. Even in the 20 years I've been in practice, it's just the knowledge has just expanded exponentially, but we still only know so much. And it's an interesting thought that, you know, we're trying to study this, this brain, this organ, the brain with our brains. It's just a bunch of people with brains looking at these brains, <laughs> trying to figure them out. So, right. it's, it's, it, you know, it's like, how are we ever going to really know? Because we can't really step outside of our structures we have. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. And, and with everything that you just said that you're able to do just sitting there at your table, the one thing that fascinates me is I always hear where they talk about we're only using about, what, 10 percent of our brain power? Yeah, that's actually a little bit of a mis uh, uh, misnomer. It's not quite that way. Um, if okay. you look at a if you look at a brain, and a, uh, there's ways to do that. Like there's different imaging, uh, mm -hmm. like functional MRIs, or uh, certain uh, imaging uh, scans that look where the the uh, energy is being used in the brain. You can see it. We're using quite a bit. Um, there's a lot of redundancy. Like there's backup structures. Um, there's a lot of the brain is what we think of, they're called glia cells or the support cells. And uh, they're actually far more important than we realize, but they're the ones that provide the nutrients and structure and, and, and help, uh, help the neurons, the ones that are actually making the, the, what we think of as a brain cell and doing all the process. So yeah, we're actually using a significant amount of, uh, of the brain at any one time. Um, there was always, I you know I've seen it in, in movies and stuff where they give you a pill or something that goes from 10% to 20% and a certain person becomes like a super genius, but only so much of your brain is being, yeah, you know, only so much of your brain is being used for you know, your cognitive purposes and a lot of it's, you know, the rest of it's uh, memories and, and walking and everything you do is being processed through. So yeah, we actually use, uh, uh, depending how you want to measure it, we may, we're using most of the brain. And that, that goes to show I watch way too much science fiction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love my movies, but way too much. Oh, so, yeah. Jimmy, <clears throat> so tell, tell us a little bit about how can a person take care of their brain? Yeah, so uh, th that is really important. If you go back uh, late 60s, early 70s, there was a study in uh, Framingham, Massachusetts, about, and they followed the population very closely for years and years, and they learned enormous amount of things about the heart, about you know, the, what you eat, and why we're having heart attacks and stuff. So there was this the whole generation of heart health. And I think 
that's extremely important. And we focused in on it. And I think now we start to need to spend some time you know, getting people to think more about, you know, the, the brain health. We, we, strangely, we don't think about it that way, but it's, right. it's, it's brain health. And um, what, uh, what we like to say in the office is we're trying to teach people, you know, uh, there's two ways to say it. There's sometimes they tell people, we just got to figure out how to love your brain. Like you want to take good care of the care and feeding of this organ and you want it to, to take care of it as best you can. The other way we talk about it is even more technical. You say on a daily basis, what you want to do is maximize daily cognitive performance. You want okay. to get that thing to work. It's like tuning your, your hot rod car. You want it to work at its maximal efficiency on a daily basis. And there's the way to do that is actually extremely simple. And um, I, I'll break it down and do some different things here. Um, one of the first things we tell people to do is as much as I'm making, just taking shots at the, my, my favorite meat pump, the heart, it, it, when you take care of your heart, you take care of your brain. So if you're eating right and you're keeping your cholesterol down and you're not smoking, that keeps the arteries in the heart healthy. It keeps the arteries in the brain healthy. So you're trying to avoid strokes. Most of the stuff you do to help the heart in regards to diet, exercise, uh, is also going to decrease your risk factors for stroke. A healthy heart that's beating correctly will decrease the chances of having a stroke. And a stroke is just a, a bomb going off in the brain. It's, it it's really can be very devastating and hurt the brain. Right. Uh, the next thing we always just we remind people, uh, I'm older, so I'm, my thrill-seeking days are not quite there anymore. But for people who are still doing a lot of activities and stuff, it's uh, very important. If you're doing something where you can uh, a fall would be dangerous or you're going faster than you can walk you really should be wearing a helmet um i grew up in the 70s as a kid and we never did and we no, still talk about it like you know <laughs> and and everyone just says the same thing like oh you remember when we were kids you didn't have to wear a helmet on a bike and you didn't have to have all these car seats and stuff yeah and back in those days if you had an accident the kids were wiped out right. <laughs> now now we stand a chance so it's actually extremely important. It's it's not just it's really not just for children. Um, I see all the time. You'll see a, a pack of uh, people on bicycles going down you know, the boardwalk or the street or whatever, and they'll see a mom and dad, and they're they're not wearing helmets, and their kids are, and that's perfectly it's wonderful. Their kids are, but if they fall off that bike or get hit by a car or something, and their head strikes the ground, they need that helmet too. Right, so uh, right. just I, I just want to put across that you know if you're doing anything where a fall could hurt your head, um, recreational activities and stuff, really do pop that helmet on. Um, then the next things, the real important things, the stuff that really comes up the most, the first thing is sleep. Uh, it's taken for granted. We just do it. You're not, uh, I don't have to, you know, program anything to a computer to get me to go to sleep. You just, you get exhausted, you go to sleep. Um, sleep disruption and sleep disorders is an enormous problem in the United States, probably all over the world. Um, and the brain absolutely needs sleep. The general conception of sleep in the brain is when you go to sleep, the brain uh, resets itself. Uh, I kind of think about it like when you real late at night, if you're driving by like one of these giant uh, grocery stores, like a Vons, and it looks like it's closed. But if you actually look in the doors, it's full of people restocking the shelves, uh, right. you know, checking all the produce. So when you're right. asleep, the brain is, is clearing out all the to excess toxins that just developed as, the, as it was metabolizing 
uh, food and energy during the day. It clears that out. It reroutes things it needs to reroute, decides what it wants to keep and not keep. Um, you, you, you very much have to have a certain amount of sleep or the brain will never function correctly. Um, and I think we know that. I think most people can, and, and as we get older, again, uh, it gets a little harder to tolerate the lack of sleep. And I think, you know, j- just from, you know, just my experience, you know, when I was in my mid to late twenties and I was a resident and, and they have you on call forever and stuff, it wasn't so bad. You know, you could pull it off. Right. Now, you know, I go to sleep and I, the phone goes off in the middle of the night and wakes me up the next day. I know it. I know my <laughs> sleep was disrupted. You know, we, it, we talk about that all the time, how, how getting older has, has changed the way that things are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and, and keep in mind, it's, it's interesting. If you actually measure in a 24-hour period, as we get older, we, we don't need quite as much sleep. Uh, you'll see much older people taking naps and sleeping during the day. But if you measure the amount of time, it's not quite as much, but it's still extremely important. Um, and the problems that sneak up on sleep are you know, stress and anxiety uh, causing insomnia. People having trouble falling asleep is enormous uh, problems. Uh, if you're really, if your brain's really active and you're worrying about a lot of stuff, a lot of times you'll fall asleep just fine, and then you'll wake up that hour or two before the alarm clock. You know, it's called pre-dawn insomnia. You wake up and your your head's just spinning, and you can't go back to sleep. And, and I don't know about you, but it always turns out to me like. I'll fall back asleep about a minute before the alarm goes off. Right, right. Yeah. And I know that right now, like you're talking about with stress and so forth, with everything that's going on during this pandemic, I know a lot of patients and people um, have come in and said that that's been an issue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that, and that leads me into um, a couple other things. I just want to touch another point, too, about sleep. Uh, one thing that's been really overlooked and um, starting to more more uh, investigated and, and talked about is uh, obstructive sleep apnea. It's a breathing disorder where when you're asleep, you will gasp. You won't, you know, it's a lot of times you see it as really loud snoring or gasping. And we don't think about it. Like was, I remember like roommates and stuff where I think, Oh my God, that guy sounds like a freight train. And it, it, it's not taken quite as seriously, but if you're doing that, two things are happening. One, you're holding your breath holding to the point where you have to gasp. You're decreasing the, oxy- the amount of oxygen you're getting throughout the night. You're also waking yourself up. Now, you don't wake all the way up to where you look around and, and realize it sometimes. Sometimes you do, but it's disrupting the sleep pattern. So you can go to bed exhausted, fall right to sleep. Alarm goes off eight hours later, and you can't figure out why you're so tired. And throughout the day, you're slogging. And it's really hard. You notice these people, it's, it's, they feel uh, brain fog or they feel a little bit off. Um, they're a little more forgetful. And, and we see patients that get referred in very young, in their 40s, uh, who think that they're developing some serious disorders like Alzheimer's because they're so forgetful. Like, I never was this forgetful. And you, you start talking to them, they're like, well, yeah, their, their wife or spouse will say, oh, yeah, he gasped throughout the night. Um, and you're like, that's it, you know, and, and sometimes that's as simple as that. And you, you talk to a pulmonologist, sleep specialist, and there's different ways to, uh, to try to manage that. But it's always one of the first things we ask if a younger person comes in with, with memory problems is how are you sleeping? Right. Um, the next thing you alluded to, which is probably may, up there with sleep is one of the most important things to remember about uh, taking care of your brain. In the language, we separate things out. We say, uh, you know, he's anxious or depressed 
there's something wrong with his, you know, his, his mood or his spirit. All of that is generated out of the brain. It's different parts of the brain, but, you know, anxiety, depression, happiness, love, everything comes out of processing in the brain. So if you're not doing well, so if you're really stressed and you're very anxious, um, and sometimes you don't even notice it. You know, it's sometimes it's just every day there's a little bit extra where they turn the, bur- they turn the burner up just a little bit more. And most people are so resilient. I'm so impressed at how strong people are. And they, they take on some one more thing and one more piece of taking care of another person or, or one more thing at work. And they take it on and they can do it. But they realize they're actually it's just, just getting more. The stress keeps building up. And the way I, I envision that is they, I used to drive a stick shift. And there's that point where you can, right when you need to shift, you're about 3,000 RPMs right in the red zone. If you don't shift, you can keep going. You can drive all the way to Phoenix that way, but your car is going to—it's not going to work very well. It's going to overheat. It's going to—it's going to break down. And a lot of us are sitting there in the red zone. Um, so when you're anxious, you're easily distracted. It's—I it, think I lost my train of thought. If your brain is thinking about a million different things or worrying about something, you may not pay any attention to what's being told to you. And so when it's brought up to you, you—I you, don't—I don't remember what you said or. The big one is you'll just be driving, not really thinking about anything, and suddenly your your off ramp just goes right past you. Um, I've done that before. Yeah, Most definitely. And, yeah. And again, as we get older, we don't handle these things quite the same way. So you need to be very cautious about anxiety, depression, very similar. With depression, even mild depression, you don't have the energy to focus. Um, you just ah, uh, you know. And I, I, I don't know. I was really, wasn't really paying attention. You just don't have it in you, and the depression sneaks up on people. There's the classic depression that's easy to diagnose, but there's milder forms where you just realize you just don't enjoy things the same way. You're a little more irritable. You're not eating the same way. Sometimes you're not eating at all. Sometimes you're eating way too much. It's just right. and a depressed brain is not functioning at its optimum. That is not maximized cognitive performance. So you need to look at yourself. If you don't feel like your brain's working very well, am I sleeping okay? Am I, how do I feel? You know, am, am I too busy? Am I too worried? Um, am, I, am I starting to not enjoy things? Am I becoming a little depressed? Now, um, what to do about all this, it's, it's, it's really, sim- it turns out to be pretty simple. You, uh, diet is important, uh, especially for, uh, you know, you talk, there's some long-term studies going on uh, about taking people that have a lot of family members with Alzheimer's. They think they might be at more risk. And they're putting them on specific diets and following them throughout the years. The diet that is called the MIND diet, M-I-N-D, uh, is the one they're using. It's supposed to optimize the, how well the brain's working, but it, there's no trick to it. It's the Mediterranean diet. They took the Mediterranean diet and the DASH diet. Which some of us people have heard of that one. That's the one they use for hypertension, just lower sodium. And they just put them together. So in the end, it, there's no magic to it. It's not like... A, what's brain food or not brain food, it's, it's healthy. You want to stay away from the sugars and the, the easily burnable carbohydrates, the food is overly processed. Um, and you want a good, we all know this, you know, if, if I ate a, that second or third donut, I don't feel well, I'm not thinking correctly. You know, it's like, I'm just feel foggy headed. Um, so diet's important. I mean, we'll go quick here. Diet's important. Uh, the next thing you want to do is use the brain. It's going exercise in the brain. Two ways to do that. One is to be very, is most people, there are exceptions, but most people enjoy being social. 
the brain for most people wants to be social. It wants to hang out. It wants to talk. It wants to interact. Um, part of the reason that is, is that's a higher cortical function. As, as far as we know, there's not a lot of, you know, primates or other animals sitting around and BSing about the weather or talking politics. <laughs> or stuff. You know, right. what happened to the Padres? You know, why did they crash so badly? Like, humans do that. And most of the time when you see humans interacting like that, um, it's very good for the brain and because it, it, it is a higher cortical function. You don't always have to, you know, uh, do calculus or algebra. You can sometimes just interacting uh, is very stimulating to the brain and then use it, you know. Uh, but again, do things you like uh, and keep it going, you know, get, get involved with things. You know, uh, you can read, you can, if, you watch, if you're watching a TV program, watch it and then maybe turn to your friend or your spouse and talk about it like it. Uh, get involved. It doesn't always have to be doing crosswords and Sudoku or you, those are good. Those are very good, but it's got to be something you enjoy and you've got to use your brain. If it, even if it's figuring out how to plant your garden, uh, uh, going out in the, in the garage and doing woodworking, that's not easy. The brain needs to function and work harder. So you want to work it out. Um, and then the one everyone never wants to really talk too much about uh, which was great for the brain is just simply exercise. Uh, you have to you have to keep moving. Our human body needs to move. Um, it's good for the heart. It's good, but it's also very good for the brain. It, even minimal amounts of daily or near daily uh, exercise clears the brain up very well. And so, kind of, kind of, just real quick, I just to summarize. The advice to take care of the brain is exactly what my grandmother used to tell me. It's don't eat junk food, Eric. Uh, go outside, run around and play with your friends. Uh, if you're going to you know, uh, uh, run around, go outside and play with your friends, get a good night's sleep, and uh, don't be so down. You know, try to be like my grandmother. Try to be more happy. Um, she probably should have told me to wear a helmet too, but she didn't. So it's just, it's real basic stuff. And if you do this each day, you will have maximized daily cognitive performance. Your brain will work as well as you can get out of it. Right. And, you know, the biggest thing I look at and, and I tell a lot of listeners is even now during the pandemic, a lot of this, these things you can still do. The diet is easy because that's almost something that you can do one on one, you know, make sure you have the right food. Yes, you do have to get out to get that food, but you can also have it, you know, delivered, things of that nature. Mm. So there's no, no excuse to not have that. With you talking about the exercising, I think it's been a number of people that have uh, built home gyms up um so many Excellent of my friends have, have done a, a home gym and they're doing that you know on a daily basis uh with communicating with people i know that we're not all out and people aren't leaving their homes and so forth but one of the things that i love you know is technology and i tell people all the time even some of my um older uh listeners and so forth there are technologies to allow you to communicate with people from a distance you know there's uh Apple has FaceTime, you can Skype, you can do different things like that. So you, you can talk to other people somewhere else to keep that um, connection. So those yeah. are different things that you can do to continue to take care of the brain. And, you know, um, I think with doing all of that during the pandemic, um, some people initially didn't know how to do that. But I think that as time went on, you, you saw where more and more people were doing all of the things that you've talked about. And uh, I think that's just fantastic because we, we definitely have to take care of not just the brain, 
not just the heart, but we need to take care of our bodies. So right. this is, these are all fantastic things. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a, a great point. And, and again, there's not a significant difference between body and mind. They're, right. they're all part of you. Um, so when you take your healthy bodies and your healthy mind, healthy mind's gonna take care of your body. Um, right. And, and you're, you're absolutely correct. I and mean, I've heard some really cool things from patients. Oh, as bad as this uh, isolation has been, it's been very, very hard on older patients, especially if they have a little bit of memory problems. They're not in their routines. They're not seeing their family. So if you do do engage your relatives, if you if you have to do it by uh, FaceTime or Skype, certainly you know if it gets a little safer, you know uh, tr try to try to try to visit and, and and stay engaged as much as you can. It's really important now. But you know what I've noticed is uh, you know people are uh, they're at home they're cooking more, and when you make your own food, it's usually much healthier. Um, right. It's not. You know, and uh, people, uh, I remember there was at one point last year where the, everything was closed down except for the beaches and hiking areas and parks. So I took my kids hiking. I haven't been hiking in years. Uh, it was really nice. You know, we spent way more time outside, you know, uh, which is extremely helpful. So there's and just like you were saying, um, with the fact of people cooking more at home, we wound up doing all of the things and taking care of everything, maybe except the exercising where we were all in the kitchen together and we we're all That's using social. our minds to cook. Right. And the social yeah. part, um, you know, there's different ways that you can do that uh, even during this pandemic. Yeah. So. You know, I just thought about that, Thomas. That's brilliant. It just, just cooking with your family. You right. have to follow recipes. You have to remember them. You have to, uh, it's like doing a little science experiment with measuring and doing everything right. You're coordinating, you're interacting. It's fun. You're, and, you know, the, the biggest thing I can remember is, uh, like I said, remembering, and we talk about the memories, making that brain work, because I can remember, just like you said, smelling different things yeah. and talking about the past and everything else. And all of those memories come back where you may not have thought about it for a long time. Yeah. But all of a sudden now that's, that's coming back. That's coming yeah. back. So, well, Dr. Perkins, I want to thank you for, for being here with us today. Um, all the information was definitely worthwhile and informative. I hope that our listeners are able to get something out of this and i believe that they will but i want to say thank you and once again everybody this is dr eric perkins he is a sharpie steely neurologist and he's a fellow of the american academy of neurology and i hope everyone will be with us uh for next episode not sure what that'll be yet but i want you <laughs> to stay tuned for now this is dj doc and i want to thank you for watching and listening to straight talk